Welcome to the Wildcast Podcast, coming to you from Wildcast Studios with your hosts, Adam Lund and Jeremy Boucher. Oh, welcome to Wildcast Studios for another Wildcast Podcast, your unofficial voice of all things Moncton Wildcats, presented by Alpha's Appliance Solutions. Right now, they've got the Kitchen Suite Savings Event. Purchase any two qualifying main tank or Whirlpool major kitchen appliances. Save 300 when you purchase three or more qualifying Maytag Whirlpool appliances. As always, fan listeners, I am your host, Adam Lund, and I am joined by a writer for Rocket Sports via the QMJ, or the, the Rocket Sports QMJHL via the Hockey News, your favorite co-hoster, and probably one of the only guys happy that the Kansas City Chiefs are in the Super Bowl, Mr. Jeremy Boucher. How was your weekend? Uh, I'd have to correct you off the hop there, Adam. Oh, yeah? It's... Uh... It is known as Taylor Swift's boyfriend's Taylor team. Taylor Swift's boyfriend's team. That is correct. Literally could not care less about this Super Bowl. And I think outside Kansas City and San Francisco, that's the prevailing theme. Well, you know, it's, 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 I'll still watch it. I think I'll, like most seas, most years, uh, pay more attention to the uh, halftime show. All about Usher this year. Yeah. 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 What? What? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, no, I um, I literally said to when Detroit was winning um, last night, we went to bed Sunday night at like 9.30 and the Lions were up at, uh, they were up 24-7 or 24-10, I think at that point. I'm like, she's like, I'm going to bed. I'm like, yeah, because I could care less about this game. Like They beat Tampa. I don't want them to win. I don't care. And um, woke up Monday morning. They fucking won. Couldn't believe that San Francisco actually won. But when Detroit was winning, and I thought it was going to be Detroit, Kansas City, I looked at it. I was like, I think I'm going to book us a hotel room somewhere in Halifax. A nice romantic Valentine's Day early weekend getaway. We'll be driving back for the first half, pull into town just as Usher hits, and then be done with this stupid game. But then San Francisco won, so I might tune in. But I Mm -hmm. have zero give a shits in this Super Bowl except for the halftime show. I I'll watch it on the basis of I want to see a Mister Irrelevant win a Super Bowl. Yeah, I think that's kind of the the whole thing. I mean, that's, it'll be that's the second Mister Irrelevant, me. but yeah, it'll be the first Mister Irrelevant quarterback to yep. win the Super Bowl. Uh, and then uh, of course, uh, you know, I checked out some uh, some of the odds, some of the uh, yeah. bets you can place. Yeah, uh, there was one where. Uh, I gotta find like. Well, Travis Kelsey proposed to Taylor Swift. Um, there was uh, that one's at. Uh, where is it here? Proposal must be on field after the game. No is uh, at uh, minus two fifty, and the yes is at a plus one ninety. Then you have uh, well, the MVP mentioned Taylor Swift in his speech. No at negative three ten and yes at at uh, plus two thirty. So I wonder what the over under is on Taylor Swift shots at the Super Bowl. Well, will she make it? Is is the thing because she's yeah. got a concert in Japan. <laughs> you did send me that, yeah. I forgot about and that. Uh, so the what is it? It happens, it happens uh, the day before, so it's like a twenty five hour flight. Yeah. If all have, goes well, she yeah. could arrive in Las Vegas. I think this is at nine a.m. Sunday morning. Something like that. Yeah. yeah, so she'll be able to attend the game. So get the uh, get the beers ready. The uh, take a drink every time Taylor Swift is shown on TV. Well, you are going to be absolutely smashed. Mm-hmm. Um, now you watched the whole Hell's Kitchen. I did. I taped it on stupid City TV, and uh, yes. City TV claimed 
Oh, it was just an hour episode. We'll show you next. We'll show you the finale mm-hmm. next week. What the? What? Yeah. So I tried everywhere to find Fox USA, on demand, and I went USA. Oh, yeah, exactly. Um, which we're gonna find out in about two weeks with the Super Bowl. How stupid our TV is, but um, so I have no idea who won. I know it's Jonathan and Ryan. Mm-hmm. I know they picked their teams. Mm-hmm. Without giving it away, based on the teams, I, mm-hmm. I, I think Jonathan's got the strongest team, mm-hmm. and that's based on the fact that Ryan took uh, Jason. Yeah, and I'm not going to spoil it for you, but yeah. uh, this was the first time where I thought Chef Ramsey would throw a curveball and have both doors open, and he just gives them both a head, a head chef job because oh, it was yeah. way too close right. for me to even call. Uh, usually when you watch the finale of Hell's Kitchen – Based on how the dinner service went, you can tell right, yeah, yeah. who is going to win. Mm-hmm. This was a dead heat. I had no clue. I had no clue whatsoever. Uh, and that's kind of after that, I was like, the, the guy's got other restaurants, you know? Yeah. Like, here's you're the head chef at Caesar's Palace in Las Vegas, and you're the new head chef at, you know, so and so restaurant in so-and-so so town city. right it's <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. i i was like that's something that could be a twist that nobody saw coming and something that could easily happen yeah, for but 20, you know, 22 straight years that would have yeah. been something that mm-hmm. all right so we know but there is a winner there is a winner i can confirm and it's not sammy which you know again we're getting better at picking these shows because yep. you picked ryan and i picked I uh jonathan but mm-hmm. we got a we got a guest to get to so we got a jam-packed show so um don't forget as always you can follow us on the social medias twitter monkey wildcast instagram wildcast podcast tiktok wildcast podcast and of course like and subscribe on our youtube don't forget to click the little bell because sometimes a podcast post game shows up there and you don't want to miss it um having some success with this quick question from our fans um, so we got another one coming in. Uh, this one is from uh, Braden Elaine. My name is Braden, and I'm wondering for next year, what will be the situation for the 20-year-olds for the Cats? So, nice. good question. Yeah. Uh, looking ahead a little bit, mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. based on the way that they played last weekend, that's uh, not necessarily a bad thing. Um, Loshing's going to be there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Steinman's going to be there. Mm-hmm. Now, based off our trade deadline show, there's a certain player from a certain team with a certain green color um, that could be on that list of 20-year-olds. There's mm-hmm. also Thomas Auger mm-hmm. um, is a 20-year-old. So mm-hmm. for me, um, when you look at that trade with the picks, and I, and I said this to you when we were kind of talking about this, there's another player that's going to be 19 next year on that team that I – Hope is part of that. Uh, he's not a defenseman. He'll be a forward. So we acquire both of them somehow. Um, that allows us to go get a 20-year-old defenseman. Because when you look at this roster, they're going to lose Bhutan. And they're going to lose Plandelski. That is two 20-year-old defensemen they're going to lose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's going to be guys moving up that'll be 19. But that is a lot of experience off the back end that you're going to lose in a quote-unquote um, all-in year. So... For that, I would like to hopefully the forward that I'm thinking of, and he's a pretty good forward on that team, um, is acquired as part of that deal. And then that allows them to go get a 20-year-old defenseman because I do like having a forward, a defenseman, Mm -hmm. and a goaltender Mm -hmm. uh, as a 20-year-old. Yeah, and obviously I'm pretty sure we all know which forward you're you're talking about here. Um, But, you know, if we ended up getting two of those two forwards, do we even have enough left? Yeah. To go and get a 20-year-old defenseman? 
Yeah. Uh, you're you're essentially emptying the cupboards and yeah. probably risking a similar futures thing as we saw, you know, three yeah, or three or four years ago. Worry about the nineteen year old forward and the nineteen year old defenseman. That I don't really want to go down that that no. road again. Uh, I I think we're we will get one uh, forward from Halifax, which will you know that that will do the that'll be Loshing, it'll be Styman, and then you know, like we said a couple shows ago, you know, we just happened to release the guy who was wearing number six in Moncton. So yep. um, it just kind of the pieces are pieces are there. They're fall are falling into place. Yeah. It's uh um but you know what, there's this is sports and trades, it's unpredictable. You never know what, what, what could happen. Uh you know, for all we know <laughs> it Loshing is traded. You know, it, yeah. it's not. I, I doubt it happens, but uh, you know, or or Steinman gets a U Sports deal next year and and, and goes and plays that's university the, that's the hockey. Card card. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know, and then you're then you have Keegan Warren, who is a capable goalie, but then a situation like that with Steinman allows you to go get a twenty year old defenseman. Yeah, you know, so there's I think there's so many. Um, Still, and, so many question marks right now. And the key and, there that you said, if we if Steinman is the wild card and we lose him to U Sports, mm-hmm. you said go get a twenty year old defenseman. You didn't mm-hmm. so go get spend assets on a goaltender, right? Right. Like that's that's the key is if mm-hmm. we lose him as a twenty, don't go into the St. John mold where you're getting a goaltender at the draft, and if it doesn't work, you're getting a goaltender at the trade deadline. Yeah, I think that's a, a key that you said there. Yeah, I think uh, if that's the case, you know, if if, if Keegan Warren for yeah. for knowing how bad of a year it is for, for goalies. I mean, you've got to think that you hope he gets drafted. And if he does something like that does happen, then you can say that you're starting goaltenders in NHL draft a goalie. Yeah. You know, that's not, that's not something that we can say right now. And that's not something we've been able to say in Moncton for, you know, when was the last time we had an NHL drafted goalie as our starting goaltender? Riopelle? Because there hasn't been one since that, well, other than other than Rodrigue, yeah, that we acquired. But that's but that's not in house. But that, that's right. He was he was drafted with Drummondville. Yeah, and he that's what I mean. Like the, it's been a while since Moncton's been able to say that we have an NHL drafted goaltender as our starting goaltender. You know that's developed here. That was drafted here, and uh, that's you know there's like uh, this this could easily just be. There could be people listening to this seg- this part of the show and just think mm. we're maybe we're just talking about this to to kill time. But I mean, at the same, there is that small chance. And again, very very Moncton Wildcats of all things to happen. You know, you've yeah. already, we've already known we've we've lost Miles Mueller, who yeah, you know, at the start of the season, I wouldn't have said could play in the league as a twenty year old, but given how he's played. I would have obviously wanted him on my team as a twenty-year-old. Hundred percent. And you know now we've lost him to the to the pros in, in in Switzerland. And again, the most Moncton Wildcats thing to happen would be to lose Steinman to you know U Sports. Yeah. You know, so there's there's it's easily something that can happen. I'm sure that I think very small possibility, but um, there's always that uh, that worry. Yeah, and it's if it's not U Sports, it's not. Moving on from him, um, I know that there's been some people in the old DMs that have wondered that, and 
the guy's earned the ability to play at the 20-year-old level and mm-hmm. what he's doing this season, zero worry about him at the 20-year-old level mm-hmm. with Warren another year. Um, maybe the splits come down to kind of a 60-40 split, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. But, yeah, the I think that's got to be in the back of Rick and Richie's mind is is the U Sports um, right. back in Ontario, which hopefully – Hopefully not, but it's it's an interesting conversation because you can't really figure it out because you don't really know what that trade mm-hmm. um, with Halifax is, and until we kind of know that, which June seventh and eighth, you will know um, at the draft, um, then it's kind of tough to talk about the uh, twenty year olds. But excellent question from uh, from Braden. Um, we thank all the fans that uh, are doing this so far. We'll reach out to another fan this next week um, and see if they've got a question for us, and we'll also have the honorable question of uh, which song by Usher uh, yes. the annual question um, which song by Usher will kick off the halftime show let's get to some news and notes from around the queue news and notes from around the queue she went again over the last week uh, on the weekend retired number 50 Jason Pominville. Um I was really surprised for a team that has that kind of history that the jersey cataract jersey that he was wearing when he played in there they were not wearing mm. that night they were just wearing the ass like that's a that's a franchise that embraces their history and wears a lot of different jerseys i was kind of surprised that um they weren't wearing that native american style uh jersey the green and blue one i think is the one he played in i didn't even know they were tired number <laughs> one of those, one oh, of those numbers you, you don't see for defenseman in junior hockey number 50 um, oh. over the weekend. Uh, again, as well, some tough news coming out of Bay Como. Uh, Emil Chouinard has been diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma. Uh, they released a statement. It's all français? No, in English, thank you. Oh, thankfully, yeah. No. And if they didn't, I was going to have it in English for us, but... Um, I could have read it. Yeah. Uh, with greatness, sadness, we announced defenseman Emil Chouinard is diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma, a cancer of the lymphatic system. Um, he wanted to keep playing. Obviously, the schedule isn't allowing him to play. Um, he hopes to be back by the playoffs, um, which is in eight weeks, two months or so. Um, if you look at Newcomb, was I don't remember. Yeah, I was going to say I don't remember what his all, time. It was training camp. And he came back four just four after. months later. Yeah, so he's got a shot to. Yeah, I mean, Bacomo doesn't have any plans of being done. First weekend of April, so um, depending how Unless they it play the Wildcats, <laughs> um, and at that rate, we've dropped all the way to eighth, and it won't be that long. Um, but again, I mean, our thoughts are with him, his family, on and off the ice, um, Bay Como, and um, obviously this is two players in eighteenth month, eighteen months or so. Um, this this is. Very, very upsetting for, for a kid like that, especially at this age, and hopefully that uh, he's able to get back on the ice um, in the playoffs for themselves. Uh, we had the top prospects game at the Avenue Center on Wednesday. Uh, team Red taking it 3-1 to one on the back of Emilia's teammate, uh, Raul Boyard, uh, who was also named team player of the game for Team Red. Team White had Deja Ginla. Um, we're going to get into this a little bit more with Scott Wheeler of The Athletic, spoiler alert, uh, later in the show. But um, just, I guess, your quick thoughts on uh, on the game Wednesday evening. Uh, I mean, for me, uh, seeing 
in a Ginla on the ice with the Avenir Center was <laughs> super weird. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, he was one of the best players on the ice. You know, he was uh, he was out there. You can tell he's got a his his compete level is is there. He's got a he's got a shot. He can he can skate. Uh, I for me, I think uh, it's if he's there when the Flames are picking in the first round, I think it's a a no doubter. I think yeah. it's too perfect. Uh, but you know, it's the Flames. They'll probably take uh, <laughs> an Oil King or something like that. Uh, but no, it's uh, his brother. Oh. <laughs> The you know, King is his brother. Yeah, no, it's. I had a great time, you know, from uh, uh, being able to watch some of those players. Uh, probably the last time we'll get to see players like that for. Yeah. Uh, I guess we didn't pay for our tickets. I was going to say, but anyways, uh, ne- next time you watch some of these players, they could very well be in the you know in the NHL and yeah. and all that. So it's uh, very fun events, you know. I going there on. Tuesday afternoon to pick up my uh, my pass. It was seeing some of them on the ice practicing, and my first thought was, "How are these guys top prospects?" You know, <laughs> like they're they're doing skating drills and they're knocking down the cones, yeah. and I'm like, "What? How are you even on, on the radar right now?" Uh, but that was that Sadly, was Sadly, that wasn't the only time you said that too. You said that a couple times during the game. Yeah, that's I mean that, that's the fun part about a prospects game. It's it's yeah. nice to go to the rink and um, not give two shits about who wins and who loses. Just you know, go and have a good time and and uh, honestly, I was I was impressed. Like there's there's a lot of uh, I know the the CHL uh, they're representation of, of I guess the talent isn't there as what we're, we're used to seeing it's mm-hmm. not a very good year for the CHL but uh, I think uh, we, we were treated to a really good show yeah um, and it started from the minute we walked in the building um, catered food was unbelievable oh man um, killing with it uh, some chicken rice uh, veggies freshly chucked oysters yeah man the lady I, I didn't catch her name, but she's from Owen, Owen Sound. She's like, yeah, I've gone back about three, four times, just taking two like shots. <laughs> just taking them back. Um, Jeremy had a few. Uh, he tried to get me to try them. I did not. Um, but from that to, honestly, like you walk in and I, like we feel like we should belong as media. And, but I didn't until probably about halfway through the first period. I was like, yeah, we, we actually do belong here. But it was kind of cool to be up there and see a lot of the names we've grown up watching talk about mm-hmm. these prospects and then the game on the ice was kind of I don't know if I was expecting more of an all-star style game like a 6-5-7-4 type game the goalie stole the show uh, but the goalies yeah they did steal the show um, I think it was Leanderson from Mississauga Leanderson yep um, he was great in the first half the Tri-City American goaltender shut her down um, but it was a very cool event um, it's too bad there's potential that it's not going to continue to happen, but I think what is going to come out of it um, will be just that much better because, you know, like you said, it's we didn't get Macklin Celebrini, and that's yeah. the top-rated prospect because he's at Boston Call Boston University. University. Yeah, Boston University. Um, well, we didn't get him. We didn't get Levshunov. We didn't get uh, Eisenman. We didn't yeah. get... Uh, you know, the other Russian, Siliev or Saliev or something like that. So, um, we didn't get Caden Lindstrom because no, he was he's hurt. Yeah. 
didn't get Justin Poirier for whatever for some, reason. Some reason. Yeah. But uh, no, it was cool to see, and you know, it was it was a fun event. It had that seven thirty start. You still in on the seven thirty oh. starts? I mean, that oh. was a game on TSN, so there was a few more commercials than what a regular game would be. But give me a seven thirty starts on Friday night, so I'm, <laughs> I'm happy. I can't, I'm not going to yeah. do seven thirty starts every friggin' night. No. Like it's, by the time ten o'clock roll around, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We didn't. Uh, we didn't do any interviews. We we wanted to, but of course it came at like the worst possible week with Miami having a cold, Jeremy yeah. picking up on a little bit of a cold. It's one thing to be around the Wildcats and stuff like that, but it's one thing to be around these prospects, and we just wanted to stay away until we felt a little bit better. Uh, but again, it was an awesome, awesome event, and it showed that we have a world-class facility that can host things that should be next year. Moving on. Um... Some CHL news regarding the Euro draft. Uh, there is talk that they could lift the ban on Russians and Belarusians as we get to, um, and moving the prospects game to more of an NCAA CHL type game with both leagues representing both uh, top players. I think for the Russians, the Belarusians, I think it's it's kind of time. Like, Who are you looking at? No, my phone is ringing. Oh, <laughs> it's, it's it's the. Uh... First name likely, last name fraud. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Depending who that is, that would have been a wicked call to take live on the air. I missed it. Know, I missed I missed it. it. <laughs> yeah, that would have been one of those uh, take the call and then edit it out, and that's the B roll for uh, down the road. But um, Russians, Belarusians, I think they they can come back um, into the the CHL. I know that. Um, our guest had a tweet that a lot of them had to go USHL yep. um, because they had no other avenue and they want to be over here playing against the best. And, mm-hmm. and I kind of think it's it's time. Uh, I have to agree. And it is it is unfortunate because, you know, Lev Shunoff, that, uh, uh, that our guest, I think, has rated number two. Yep. He was all in on the CHL uh, until they took away the until – they, until they banned uh, Belarusians. So uh, it, it was our – the league's lost that, uh, you know, they made that decision. And, uh, you know, regardless of which way you want to go about it or and whichever way your opinion goes when it comes yeah. to the ban, it's you know, at the end of the day, we lost out on players who wanted to be here. And I think uh, there was another one. There was a Russian that's probably in his top 10 that wanted to play CHL as well. But uh, just uh, just couldn't come over, so uh, I think it's a good time, and because um, there's some uh, there's some talent coming out of these uh, those two countries that yeah. uh, that could easily be picked in the in the draft. So yeah, I think it's time to kind of get back to uh, allowing them into the into the CHL. Yeah, just and once you allow them back in the CHL, hopefully the IHF allows them back into these tournaments, and we truly get the best on best now. I don't know if that will happen in Ottawa because the tournament is set um, and the greatest country in the world, Kazakhstan, will represent. But, um, yeah, hopefully this is... The number one exporter of potassium. Yeah. (laughs) It's nice. It's very nice. Um, Hopefully this kind of sets that in motion and we get the best on best. best. So um, our guest is delayed a little bit, so I guess we should probably talk about our team, eh? Yeah, okay. All right. As uh... unfortunate as that sounds right (laughs) now. Yeah. Yeah, this is, this is the segment you want to tune in for. Here we go. Weekly Rewind.
Cut everybody! <laughs> I thought you were going to be like, oh, I'm done. And just pour water on yourself. Um, for those not watching on YouTube, A, you should be, and B, that would make sense if you watch on YouTube. But um, the Wildcats go 0-2 on the weekend, extending the losing streak now to four games, bringing, their conf- bringing the record to 26-12, 3-3 for still 58 points, which is good enough to hang on to third in the conference, just barely, and second in the Maritimes division, just, just barely. barely. Um, Friday, um, a team they lost to, I talked about being a sneaky, underrated team at the deadline, has gotten better. They showed they've gotten better. Um, and let's be honest, you can't spot anybody a three-goal lead in this league and expect to win. And it's been time after time. They're not starting on time. Um, and they get behind and they came close. They fought back at, you know, the lotion goal at the end of the first, I remember saying, that's a big one. If they want to get back in this thing, mm-hmm. they did an unfortunate goal cost them. Um, is that one went in off Bhutan's stick, just uh, an errant play, a lucky play from Cape Breton, but you make your breaks and they lost four to three to a team that is just kind of rolling. But again, you can't allow a team, a three goal lead. Oh, and that comes back to, like you said, starts, you can't, Yes, yeah, worst lead in hockey. Yes, they came back and 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 made it three 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 um, when they were down. You know the worst lead in hockey, but you can't let that happen. You know there was um, I've I've started to notice something that uh, now that I didn't see in the first half. This they can't take a hit. It's like they. Tighten up as soon as they feel contact coming, mm-hmm. and or if they sense a four check coming, it's like they tense up and it's just turnover, like turnovers, turnovers, goals, this and that. That didn't happen in the first half. Yes, there was turnovers, but they were able to take a hit. Mm-hmm. Like what happened so that they could they could no longer take a hit? And it's, it's almost like there's no communication on the ice either. There's no there's no communication. There's no um, in-game adjustments. There's, there's no, there's nothing. There's nothing right now. That's the concerning part. Is there's no in-game adjustments. Like yeah. aside from, and I can't remember who said it on the boards that I was reading just before we got going. But mm-hmm. um, aside from juggling lines here and there, and that was all more on Sunday because of an injury. Th- there's not an in-game adjustment from the Wildcats when they, they get down. Yeah. They make mm-hmm. plays and they make things happen. And again, we're now two and seven without, uh, Denway as he wasn't in the Cape Breton game. Um, when he's out of the lineup, I guess I should say, but it's just, it's one of those. They can't make adjustments. There's no preparation. There's no preparation. And like Craig Eagles article said today on Twitter, they are giving up 30 shots a game consistently i think he's i think he mentioned there's he had asked us up in the booth how many mm-hmm. games and we thought there was like two and i kind of started to count and i got to four before i stopped because it was the wi-fi is not the best up there but um eight games in 44 mm-hmm. they've allowed under 30 shots and i think he said six of them or five of them they were at 29 Whoa. like that is that is a recipe and it's it's unfortunate, and it's it's the same losing streak legitimately that they had last year at the exact same week. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. The schedule from last year, they lost on the 18th, then they beat Cape Breton on the 20th, 
Then they lost on the 22nd, 28th, and 29th last year. Like the four out of five at this exact same week. It's just, I don't know if it's just playing in January in the middle of the year. It just kind of gets tough on them or what, but it's. It's a little bit of a concern. Yeah, I know for sure, and like, or a lot of bit of a concern, whichever way you look at it. Yeah, and uh, you know, Drew Bear, uh, the Talon Block, he interviewed Coach Lacroix before this game, and Coach Lacroix said that uh, you know they had a good week of practice, so they had some good meetings, and they're they're ready to go. You sure about that? <laughs> you sure about that? You know, uh, there was. There was no preparation for this game. There was no, there was nothing. I mean, yeah. And the thing that sucks is we had that opportunity late in the game to tie it up, and I think they've missed two or three wide open nets. Yep. And uh, that sucks. Yeah. You know, those those are shots that you need that uh, you need to go in because it would have been nice to get at least a point, you know, to uh, out of this game to make it look like something. Mm-hmm. Which they had, they were getting success doing when they were losing to end the year and in this stretch since the trade deadline, they were getting points when they were losing. They were getting mm-hmm. to overtime. Uh, you move into Sunday against Sherbrooke, more of the same, just not ready to go. This was actually worse than Cape Breton. Yeah, not ready to go. First two minutes, um, Minskum scores. And you had said, like, how do you let a guy that open? Mm-hmm. The first 30 seconds, if you go watch him back, Go back and watch that game in the first 30 seconds. He's standing there by himself again. Um, then the Wildcats kind of get back into it. Moran Loshing kind of get us going. Um, and then I asked Dan on the post game. you know, special teams has been a success for us this year in a lot of our wins. And tonight it was the opposite. The four-minute penalty to, to Trenholm, an errant stick, guys bleeding. They score their two goals to take the lead, and the Wildcats manage three shots. One in the first 19 minutes, two in the last minute with the goalie pulled. And that's and I mean terrible. Yeah, three shots in the third period is bad. Yeah. Six dangerous shots the entire game. Oh. And then you probably got to think that two of those six were your goals. Yeah. So then you're four dangerous shots the entire game. I mean, how do you even manage to do that against a team that is playing their second game in less than 24 hours and a 3-3? Three and three? With a third goalie. With a third string goalie. Yeah. Got to uh, that pads a match. Yeah. Um, I, there's so much I could say about this game. It was probably one of their worst performances of the season. Yeah. Um, yeah. And just so our fine listeners know how bad it was. Let's go to the armchair GMs of the message board <laughs> to see what some of these people have to say. Um, let's see. Probably not good. Abysmal. <laughs> um, 11 days. I guess when you listen to the show, it'll be 13 days. In 13 days, the Wildcats have gone from being in first place in the Maritimes division to eight points behind Halifax yeah. and four ahead of Cape Breton. Yeah. Um, how do you manage to have, again, this is another one, the league's best power play and second best penalty kill on the road, but you're 10th and 16th at home. 
It's supposed to be the other way around. Yeah. Your best is, performances are supposed to be on home ice. There is something about this rink. They have consistently not had good gears at home. Mm. I just... I don't understand how they're not capitalizing on where you play or the home ice advantage. Because there's... How are they a better team on the road than they are at home? Like, it's, it doesn't make sense. Maybe when you said a month ago, start putting these kids up in hotels and, you know, and then take it, driving the bus to the games, yeah. you know? It's, it's like... I was hoping that the... Make them stay at the uh, friggin' uh, Super 8 in Amherst so you actually have a little drive to the rink every day. Yeah. You know, you got a half an hour drive on the highway yeah. just so they can get the feeling of a road game. Because, I mean... The continental breakfast of the Super 8. I mean, yeah, sure, you'll probably end up with salmonella. But, I mean... <laughs> but if you can play that game that night, you You still have that road vibe. Yeah. You know, you're still taking the bus. Like, it, I, I don't get it. I don't know. And I thought maybe, maybe the jerseys would translate. Like, mm-hmm. the white jerseys at home, they'd bring that whole road mentality. But it's... it It'll be something I should dig into for next week. Because it has been a consistent... Other than the... 2020 Memorial Cup year, and I'm calling it that because we were winning. Um, they have not been good at home, mm-hmm. and I honestly, it it has to do with the fact that some people call it the library. They it have is, to get a, a vibe in there, and I don't know if right from the puck drop. And I was watching the the Oilers game on Saturday, Saturday, and the puck drops, and they start banging, and everybody starts saying, "Go or let's go Oilers!" Like. They get the crowd going early. Maybe they take something from the Moncton Magic where they put something on the board where... <laughs> this is your defensive zone theme song right now, yeah, ladies and gentlemen. Get, I was going to get that there in a minute there. <laughs> yeah, that's... Yeah, it's... Um, the Moncton Magic where once the puck drops... Everybody stands up and gets as loud as they can and cheers as long as they can until the first whistle. Mm-hmm. Just something to get them energized because they don't start on time. They don't seem to get up for big games. Um, over this four-game losing streak, they have been outshot uh, 152 to 106. So they're being shot on average 38 to 26. That's not a recipe for your goaltenders and or to get wins. Um, the power play is four for 11. They're seven for eight on the or seven for 18 on the penalty kill. You look at the defensemen. So in this month, Moran has two goals, 10 assists for 12 points, one and five in the streak. Plandowski, no points this month. December 12th was his last point. Grenier, three assists, one assist in the losing streak. Uh, AFG, two goals, four assists this month, two goals in the lo- or two assists in the losing streak. Butan, a goal and an assist this month. Um, January 17th was his last point on the road trip. Zelensky, an assist this month. He had a point on January 14th. So if you're not contributing offensively and we have a very good puck-moving defense core. How are you not performing defensively? What are we doing defensively to eliminate the shots? Yeah. And what they seem to be doing is just collapse in front of the net mm-hmm. and hope that they block something or there's the rebound that they can clear. But it's just it's it's something fundamentally, I believe, that has to change in the defensive zone. And I'm not an analytics guy, but I can't believe their goaltending – or their goals for over whatever it's called is very good. That goals, I don't even know what the analytics, but it, it, it something's got to change. 
Yeah, you're you're getting into a point where um, it, it's it is concerning because we didn't we were super confident two weeks ago. Yeah, you know we were feeling great. We were tweeting about the uh, first place, you know, bragging about it. First question of the fan question was, "How far is this team going to go?" Yeah, and we said the third round. Now it's just like holy. Now crap. let's get to the playoffs. Well, they're going to make it. They're going to make the playoffs, but there needs to be some sort of and, systematic change that for the good because there's you know it's it's starting to be a trend a they don't have to start games they're terrible at to start games um and there's i don't think there's any communication there's no communication how are you possibly turning the puck over so much there's no communication and it can't be the ice it can't be the home ice no because the other teams are doing it um and I'm sure while people are listening to this, they're getting to the the hot seat. Get to the hot seat. Get to the hot seat. We're over the hot seat. I'm not going to talk about it because it's not happening. You look at the hot seat from last year. If he wasn't let go when they lost 9 of 10, mm-hmm. he sure as shit ain't going to be let go when they lose 4. So, And you know what? We're allowed to say this about him because clearly he doesn't listen to our podcast. <laughs> Because uh, when we did the interview yeah, with him, fact, yeah. so when we did the interview with him after the game on Sunday, he he comes at Adam and I talking French, and Adam didn't understand a word he said. Deer in the headlights. I was just like, uh, we? But anyways, he basically said, who are you and who do you represent? Yeah. And so clearly Coach Lacroix doesn't listen to our podcast, um, which is perfectly fine. Perfectly you don't fine. have to be no. a listener. But um, but we we thanks thought, for <laughs> nothing. Yeah, it, which was funny because while we were waiting for him to come talk to us, um, we thought, oh, he's making us wait because oh, you're fine. He we're like, oh, he doesn't like our takes the past two years, so he's making us wait for it. Um, but yeah, I, and I knew that was going to be something that was going to be talked about. Or people wanted us to talk about, and it's just—it's not going to happen. It's just—it's just not. They got to figure it out inside that room. And look, he said something yesterday that this is a very young team, mm-hmm. and I was thinking about it on the drive home. And yeah, they lost Hamel, who was a twenty-year-old. They lost Barbashev, who was nineteen. They lost a Filion, who was nineteen, a backup goaltender who was a little bit older. So yeah, they did get younger, but still, the core that knows how to win has been together long enough that something in that room has to change. And I don't know what, or maybe Tessier needs to come on the bench to have that third coach. I'm not saying that the two of them can't do it, but you're looking at the exact same um, situation as last year. And now as ridiculous as this is going to sound, and of course this is all taking place before Bathurst. So they might've broken the streak by the time you hear this. Bathurst and St. John on the weekend become must-win games. Because if you don't win those, then you got to go to Bay Como, Shakutami, and Drummondville. I'm I'm sorry. Right now, even if they win those three games, they'll be closer to Halifax. But I, and we can talk about it next week, but I don't see four points coming out of that road trip. No. Not the way they're playing right now. No. Well, hey. They play better on the road, so they'll probably win all three. Yeah. And make us they'll this is the part of the show they'll just listen to and make us seem like idiots. Uh, yeah. Uh but fortunately, we have a road game in Bathurst on Tuesday, yeah. which 
and it'll be on, it'll be done by the time this is yeah. listened to. And that's one of your games in hand against Halifax. So you've yeah. got to win it. Uh, but again, I, these week, the weekend games against St. John and Bathurst, they're probably looking forward to getting on the road. Just don't look ahead to those games. Just focus on the task at hand. Get the wins you need to win. Uh, because like you said, Adam, if they somehow lose these next three games, I don't know if I'll be here next week. <laughs> I might need a I might need a vacation. <laughs> if they a lose podcast, the next week, yeah. my first ever podcast vacation. Yeah. Which is completely fair. I, I I might not be here either. It's my house. For the love of God. Yeah. Please don't. And what's funny is they go back to five games uh, ahead because they go. This one cuts them down to three. Then Halifax plays on Thursday, which brings them back up to four. Then Halifax Halifax plays on Friday, which brings them up to five. I'm only saying that because it's funny. I don't know how we got to five games in hand. Those games only matter in hand if you win them. But also. We're not catching Halifax the way we're playing right now. We got to avoid being caught by Cape Breton, who at is, this rate, Cape Breton's going to win the division. Yeah, they're six and one. No, 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 they're not. They're seven and two, zero oh and one in their last ten. Um, we're four, four, one and one, which basically is our trade post trade deadline. And Halifax is six and one. So this is we have the aside from Valdor helping us out. We have the longest losing streak in the queue right now. Hey! As of Monday, hey, it might be a W by the time you listen to this, and you'll wonder why we were freaking out. Hey, they won. Why are the guys getting mad? Just remember, we recorded this on Monday. Uh, but uh, I believe our guest is ready to go. Are you ready to talk to him? Let's wheel. <laughs> oh, wrong button. <laughs> Let's try this again. Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Uh, there it is. Should we play Scotty Two Hotties interest? <laughs> View from the other bench. All right, as we mentioned in the news segment, we had that special guest uh, with us this week to recap the Top Prospects game and, um, you know, just chat prospects because we we truly enjoy that. He is the national reporter for the NHL Draft slash Prospects for The Athletic. We are pleased to be joined for the first time by Scott Wheeler. Scott, uh, I'm assuming you got back to Toronto after a few flight delays. How are you on this final week of January? Yeah, bit of an adventurous one. We couldn't touch down at the at the airport there, the island airport there in Toronto. So we actually had to divert back to Ottawa, which I think about an hour earlier we'd flown directly over. So <laughs> ended up being a little six, five, six hour layover to Ottawa to get the, the, the plane refueled and wait for the weather to improve in Toronto so that we could head back to Toronto. But uh, we made it in the end, and I'm home and uh, enjoying a sort of week of a week off from travel. It was a busy, uh, busy month or so, if if you will, there with the World Juniors and the two top prospects games in Moncton, and then obviously the USHL one in Plymouth. So uh, I'm happy to sort of be through that middle that middle part of the season. It's a marathon there, so absolutely. It that's one airport that I don't think I've ever been to is the Billy Bishop one, but. Sounds like yeah. it's a, a fun little airport to uh, to get into. Um, last week, we had Jerome Brube from Hockey Prospect on uh, to preview. And I'll start kind of where I started with him. When you look at the Top Prospects game, the casual fan wouldn't know a lot of the names on there other than some cute kids. But they would know Team White's Tej Aginla, um, who's kind of having a good season there for Kelowna. Um, we didn't know much about him. Um, he was quite the player for Team White being their uh, player of the game. Um, the shot is what stood out for me. I think he, like that was... Uh, 
quote unquote pro release, as you would call it. Um, just what are your thoughts on uh, the way Tej has been this year? Yeah, sort of a nice, nice story for him. He was obviously a depth player on a stacked, one of the most stacked and deep uh, WHL teams that we've seen in a long time in Seattle last year. He was actually a healthy scratch in the playoffs on and off. And when he was playing, he was playing on their fourth line. Uh, not uncommon on a Memorial Cup contending team and a team that ultimately won the WHL championship, especially if you're a 16-year-old who's trying to break into the league. But when you have the cachet that a player like TJ Inla does, suddenly it's it's a pretty uh, sort of bumpy road for you. It didn't sort of follow the path, if you will, that he would have liked. Then he gets traded at the start of this year uh, from from Seattle. Uh, now that they're sort of in a full-on rebuild, he gets traded from Seattle to Kelowna. He gets to play with Andrew Cristal, who's obviously a second-round pick of, of the Washington Capitals and one of the most offensively gifted, if you will, players uh, in the WHL. And things really started to click for him, no surprise. Very talented player, great skater, uh, attacks at you on edges, can take you on edges, Um really sort of dynamic angle type of player in sort of in, in the offensive zone, if you will, good hands, the the release that you talked about sort of really pops off of his blade. It's actually funny. I talked to him a little bit about it and it's kind of a traditional snapshot. We don't really see that mm-hmm. uh, in today's NHL. There's a lot of curl and drag. Everybody's trying to pattern after Austin Matthews and Connor Bedard now. And uh, he just leans into it. There's, there's not a lot of curling it into his feet, but he just leans into it, leverages his stick and just sort of lets it go. A la Jerome again, <laughs> Joe Sackick and those sort of yeah. vintage releases of, of the nineties and early two thousands that we used to see once composite sticks were introduced. So right. um, bit of a, bit of a throwback player. He also sort of plays hard. He's not a sort of physical power forward type like his dad. He's not going to drop the gloves. Uh, but he'll he'll sort of fight for pucks out there and get after it on the forecheck. And then he's got some real skill in skating and obviously the shot on top of it. So uh, he now looks like a bona fide sort of first round talent and maybe even a front half of the first round guy. He's not going to be a top 10 pick in this draft. But I think once you get out the tr- get outside the true cream of the crop in this group, once you get outside the top 12 or 13 picks, in this year's draft, he's going to start to enter the conversation for a lot of teams. And I expect that if he's not picked in the teams that we'll see him selected in the twenties. Yeah. So when, when you get into Moncton, uh, you've got a, a pretty good idea of most of these players. Were there any players that you were looking forward to, to watching just based, I guess, on, on limited viewings? Oh, good question. Um, not necessarily based on limited viewings, but there were a couple of players that we wanted to see in this environment. The first being Henry Muse. Henry has been a top player for Hockey Canada at two different international events now, uh, both the Helenka Gretzky Cup and the U-17s. He was a looked like a top player in the OHL last year as a 16-year-old defenseman who put up 30-something points. This year was a really, really sort of tougher start to his season. Uh, He's been much better of late, but had a tough go to his season for a projected first-round pick. The decision-making wasn't tightened up. He got exposed one-on-one defensively a bunch of times. Uh, And scouts, I think, as a result, sort of started to question uh, just the way that he thought and processed the game, I think. Uh, And so this was an opportunity for him outside of the Ottawa 67s, outside of the OHL, to sort of look like a top player in a big game uh, and uh, sort of against other top competition in this draft and sort of re-solidify himself as a, as a sort of surefire first rounder in this group. 
Uh, and then I thought he actually had a couple of really tough shifts early in the game. He settled in nicely. He had some good moments late when they had the net empty and they were pushing to tie it. He was out there activating off the point, making things happen. They didn't quite break through and, and sort of create the goal that they were looking for, but I thought he was involved offensively. I thought he started to settle down. He actually performed quite well in the, the on-ice testing the day before the game, which I think was positive for him. Uh, so again, a bit of a mixed bag, which leaves scouts wondering, okay, is is Henry Muse the just is is that just what he is? Is he going to have some some highs and lows? And are we comfortable taking him in the first round as a result? So uh, he was probably the the one that I was that I and and many others were sort of most interested to see in that setting. And then the other one, I mean, he's a big name, so hardly uh, under the radar guy here. But Zane Perek, just seeing him outside of Saginaw. Saginaw is such a unique system; they play so loose. They really let their players play on offense and make things happen creative, like creatively. Uh, there have often been questions about their players as a result. Cole Perfetti went through it. Uh, Pavel Mintyukov went through it. He's now going through it in terms of how much of it is Saginaw and how loose they play. Is he ever going to be able to button up defensively? I think we're now seeing that those questions are being answered by Pavel Mintyukov in the NHL with the Anaheim Ducks this season. I, I have a belief that Zane Parekh will do the same thing when he arrives in the NHL. But ultimately, Zane, for a defenseman, is never actually going to be a great defender, a natural defender. He's not physical. He's not a super competitive kid in board battles and box outs and all of that. Defends mostly with his feet and his stick. Uh, there are a lot of players, good, very good players in the NHL who get by that way, but his offense is going to have to be so dynamic that it sort of overrides some of the defensive deficiencies, and I think ultimately it will be. He's clearly one of the most talented in 11 years of, of scouting these kids, clearly one of the most talented defensemen I've ever watched at this age. Uh, so the, the, there's a special quality there, even if the D isn't always going to be high end. Uh, so he's an interesting one. I thought in the game Zane was good, not great. Uh, got a beat on a three-on-one that went off of his skate and kicked out to Liam Greentree, but I actually thought he defended that three-on-one about perfectly, uh, cut off the initial pass, which was intended for Jet Luchenko, uh, and just by virtue of cutting off that pass, it actually redirected out to, to Greentree, so didn't really have much of a chance there. But otherwise, I thought he was good. Um, he's never, as I mentioned, never going to be a super hard-nosed, hard-to-play-against defenseman, so I think teams uh, saw a little bit of that, and if, if if you're not comfortable taking that type of player because he's not going to play that type of style, then so be it. But I think ultimately with saying you're going to sort of bet, someone's going to bet on the offense near the very top of the draft. I don't know whether that's top 10 or top 15, but uh, he's going to be one of the first players picked. And I expect at the NHL level, he's going to be an extremely dynamic offensive defenseman. So I, I think it was during the first intermission, um, me and Jamie Tozer from Station Nation were talking about the game and it didn't have the oomph in it because we didn't have the Macklin Celebrinis and the Cole Eisermans and, and whatnot. And literally right after the game, Jeff Merrick has that tweet that there's looking to be a proposed CHL versus NCAA game um, that'll take over for the prospects game. So I want to bring it back a little closer to Moncton as your number three player on your list, uh, Cole Eiserman. Um Moncton took him in the... Uh, in the U.S. draft, and both Jeremy and I are hoping hoping he shows up next yeah, year and what could be an all-in year for us. But um, <laughs> I guess just what did the fans kind of miss not seeing a Macklin Celebrini and, and your number three player and Wildcat uh, U.S. draft player in Cole Eiserman? Yeah, I mean, not just that, but obviously Caden Lindstrom is dealing with a hand yeah, injury right. and uh, sidelined as well. So there's that, that piece of it. Caden's going to be a top 10 pick in this draft, and 
had to bow out due to injury. So, uh, yeah, just a number of sort of high-end guys that weren't available. Uh, obviously, Celebrini and, and Iserman were never going to be a part of this game. No, that no, will change yeah. moving forward. Iserman's an interesting one. I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't get uh, too excited about him potentially uh, potentially coming to play in the CHL at any point ever in his career. You're but, killing us, uh, Scotty. You're killing us. You're on a Wildcast <laughs> podcast. Give us some hope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he's going to go off to BU and he's going to light it up and he might even be one and done or two and done at BU and then right. he's going to be playing in the NHL. But uh, no, I mean, it's it's certainly this this year's group was defined by the defensemen. That was always going to be the case. Sam Dickinson, Carter Yakumchuk, Parekh, who I touched on. That Those were sort of the big names, if you will. Uh, obviously, at forward, you had Berkeley Catton. They would have liked to have had Caden Lindstrom involved. That would have given the, the game a little bit more juice. Um, it's not a, it's a good, but not great draft class. Certainly, uh, it pales in comparisons to last year and not just because of Connor Bedard's presence last year, but mm-hmm. you go down the list, especially that W8, that special 2005 age group out of the WHL, um, whether it was Braden Yeager, Zach Benson, Nate Danielson, uh, it was a really, really impressive group. Uh, Samuel Honzik, obviously he was actually injured. He had a, a sort of. Uh, lower body injury, uh, broken leg ahead of last year's event, so wasn't able to participate like he would have hoped to. But uh, last year's event had a little bit more flair uh, in terms of the high-end talent. And yet I thought this year's game was actually a more competitive game. The four goaltenders participating in this year's game were certainly a cut above the four goaltenders participating in last year's game, and that showed uh, in in their play on the ice, but also in the scoreline. Um, so lots, lots of good in this year's game, even if it didn't have the Bedard type. And I'm looking forward to the new format that you hinted at. Uh, it's a bit of a double-edged sword. On one hand, it will mean that instead of there being 40 players from the U.S. and 40 players from Canada that get to participate in each of their individual games, it's going to really narrow it down to only the true top prospects, which is a bit of a bummer, if I'm being honest, just because there are always players who stand out who wouldn't be in that group of 20. Uh, it's always a nice showing for them. Uh, even this year, player of the game, Raul Boyard, if it, if it was a 20 player, uh, a 20 player game against 20 players from the U S he wouldn't have yeah. been able to participate. There right. are similar standouts from this year's uh, uh, Chipotle all American game, South of the border kids who had it been a 20 versus 20, one team versus one team matchup. Suddenly you cut the player pool in half that's participating in the game. And there are kids in the projected go into the third, fourth round rather than the first and second round who don't get to show themselves. So that is this a little disappointing, but on the flip side, it's going to be to have a series and to pit them head to head and to sort of drum up some of those competitive juices. It's going to be a much more competitive game. It's going to be a much higher quality game. There's going to be something on the line. I think the players are actually going to play for something. Uh, not just in terms of individual points and showing nice in front of scouts, but in terms of actually playing to win those games, which I'm not sure is always the case at the CHL top prospects game. Uh, I think there's a little bit of me, me, me that happens at the CHL game and at the mm-hmm. All-American game where they're they're playing all of their buddies and it's just an opportunity to go out there and, and make plays and have fun. Uh, so this will tighten up the game. It'll be a more physical contest, I imagine, a more competitive contest. Uh, and ultimately, I think you'll see the best rise to the top. So I am very much looking forward to seeing what next year's two-game series looks like. I would guess that one of the games is just going to be played in Plymouth, where they typically play the All-American game and where the National Development Program is played out of. And then the Canadian game will probably be some kind of rotation. Uh, because next year was due to be 
the CHL top prospects game on the current rotation through the three leagues was due to be in the OHL. I would guess that it's an OHL host city for the Canada leg of the, the new series that they're planning for next year. Uh, as far as destinations go, I think you can probably look at some of the teams that have top 2025 prospects. There's two kids in Erie. Uh, in Matthew Schaefer, uh, in particular, who are and obviously Jordan Spence as well, who are legit prospects for next year's draft. Uh, Michael Misa obviously is a top prospect in Saginaw in terms of OHL. Saginaw has just been awarded the Memorial Cup, so I don't think they're likely to get the first dibs at hosting next year's game. Uh, but those are sort of the the top OHL prospects. I'm not sure they'll want it in Erie, from being frank. Right. Uh, and I know they've recently denied hosting the Memorial Cup in places like Ottawa and places like Kingston. So you could maybe see one of the runners up that lost out on the Memorial Cup might get a nugget from the CHL to have their city be the host for next year's game, but it's going to be a great showcase for whatever city gets it in Ontario, which is, would be my guess. And then certainly uh, if you're able to make the drive or the flight uh, out to the Detroit area and, and jog over to Plymouth, it should be a lot of fun. I feel like a team that could use that kind of good publicity would be the, uh, the Steelheads. I think they got a couple players. They got one um, from Sarnia and one from Peterborough, I think, that are drafted. Their, yeah, names Port, are Porter Martone is, and, yeah. and their goaltender, Jack Ivankovich, are both yeah. legit high-end prospects for next year's draft. Unfortunately, Mich- uh, Mississauga has never, ever, ever been a draw in the OHL. Yeah. Uh, there's lots of talk these days about Mississauga potentially relocating to due Brampton, to financial issues. Yeah. Um, it, it just hasn't worked at that rink. It's really hard to drive to. There's no public transit out to the rink, right. even though it's in Mississauga. Uh, so my guess is they're going to want this game to be packed for its first ever game and that that yeah, wouldn't yeah. likely happen in Mississauga. So uh, it, it is possible, though. So certainly Martone and Ivankovic are legit, legit prospects for yeah. next year's draft. And if they're moving to Brampton, that I think just put their name on, on the logo. Maybe that's your first uh, your first yep. event. But um, now you had a tweet following up on that, um, that we could see some Russian and Belarusians potentially coming back to the CHL. Um, I just want to get any, do you have any more info on that? We talked about a little bit on our show about how it's kind of time, um, to have the best players representing in the CHL, but also maybe down the line with the, uh, the world juniors, but any more info that you have on that kind of scenario that you tweeted out uh, a couple weeks ago? Yeah, very sort of fluid thing. Uh, certainly nothing set in stone, but there have been discussions about lifting the CHL import draft ban on Russian and Belarusian players. Uh, I know certainly agents uh, have pushed hard for it. There is a lineup of kids in Russia and in Belarus who want to come over here and play in the CHL. There are recent success stories in the USHL. So there's there's a bit of a, a war that is being lost here, if you will, by uh, in terms of on the ice by the CHL, by allowing these players uh, to go south of the border and play. Uh, Artem Levshunov is going to be a potential second or third overall pick in this year's draft. He, his preference was to play in the CHL, but he didn't have that option. He's a kid from Belarus who went over uh, and played in the USHL in Green Bay last year and is now a star at Michigan State University in the NCAA. He was never planning to go the NCAA route. Uh, Matt Vigridden of the Muskegon Lumberjacks is another player. He's a Russian, not a Belarusian who has been a star for Muskegon in the USHL this season. He's now headed to Michigan. I know his preference also was to come over originally and to play in the CHL. Uh, so there are players that are eager to get back into the CHL. Uh, there are agents that would rather their clients be in the CHL than in the USHL in terms of development and in terms of getting recognized by NHL scouts. 
but ultimately, it's a very layered thing as well. It's not as simple as the CHL deciding to lift the ban. Mm-hmm. They also need to make sure that these kids can get their visas approved. Um, Adar Sanayev, for example, a player who was drafted by the Calgary Flames in last year's draft, had major visa issues uh, both in Canada and now getting into uh, college in the States. He was originally committed to Harvard and had to recommit to UMass because Harvard wasn't going to accept him due to being Russian and because he was having visa issues. Uh, so it's it's there's a Canadian government aspect to lifting the ban as well, where they need the CHL is going to need assurances from the Canadian government that if they lift the ban, that the players are going to get visas and they're going to be able to come over here and play. There's no guarantee that uh, the Canadian government wants these kids coming over here to play in many cases. Cases, believe it or not, these kids come from very wealthy uh, Russian families. In many cases, their parents are involved in the Russian government. So there's all sorts of layers uh, to, to sort of getting Russian players back over here. And it's a very complicated issue, obviously, with the geopolitics of it all. Uh, so it, it's, it's being discussed. It's something that uh, I think the CHL isn't necessarily opposed to changing at this point. Uh, it's just a matter of, okay, what does that look like and is it practical and uh, what are the logistics in terms of actually uh, getting players back over here and getting players reintegrated and visas and uh, translators and all of that. It's, they've got to open up, uh, open up those doors again. So uh, we'll see what happens. But I, I would not be shocked if uh, for ahead of the, the import draft in the spring if there's a, some sort of announcement about a change. So I wonder if... Sorry, before you go, Jeremy, I wonder if there'd be a situation with like a transfer portal or if you wanted to take one of those kids that's playing in the UCHL, if you could, if they open that up or if it would strictly be you have to draft a player from across the the ocean. I think the most likely outcome is that there's no sort of USHL forgiveness. They are already pretty strict rules in place about players who commit to college and play in the USHL and not being able to re-enter in, into the CHL. There have only ever been rare exceptions to that. Uh, obviously, Matthew Savoy went down and played in the USHL during the pandemic. That was largely because the WHL wasn't operating. Cole Sillinger did the same thing, played a year in the USHL because the WHL wasn't operating during the pandemic. He would have been a He ended up going right to surprise some people and went right to Columbus in the NHL after that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he would have technically been eligible to return to medicine hat who owned his rights and play in medicine hat uh so there's there are layers to it um obviously a, a few players in recent years uh chaz lucius recently decommitted from college after playing a year at the university of minnesota and went and played uh, for the portland winterhawks Kiefer bellows did the same thing so there there are rules that allow uh, college players to return but often cases if you've chosen the ushl it becomes very difficult for you to go either from the ushl to the chl or from the chl to the ushl so my guess is that that door won't be open for russian players that are already in the ushl and that it would just be players who are currently playing in russia that then become and belarusia um, or belarus i should say who are then allowed to uh to sort of participate in the draft again yeah okay yeah and uh just to end the uh end things i know i want you to get back to your uh, your night there um i guess just your overall thoughts on the NHL draft and the idea of going to more of a decentralized uh, model here in the coming years? I mean, for selfish reasons, I don't love it. Uh, but even from an NHL uh, perspective, and by selfish reasons, I mean it's a, it's a great event. It's a great opportunity for people like me in the media, for NHL teams, 
everybody it's the only time of the year where everybody in the hockey world is all in one place it's a, a tremendous opportunity for sourcing and building relationships with people from around the league uh, for gathering info all of that i think as a result it's good for the league because then it produces good reporting it produces trades on the floor that you wouldn't see happening over the phone uh it produces good television it's the only time of the year that we get to see very private people which the majority of general managers are it's the only time we get to see lou amarello and steve eiserman actually doing work and actually sort of you get to see how the sausage is made if you will so uh, that part of it from a fan perspective, I think, is also great. Um, the television sort of viewing experience, I think they, they actually had a really good thing going. I think they do their drafts or they have done traditionally their drafts in the NHL much better than most of the other professional leagues in North America. Um, the, the centralized draft that the MLB does, for example, is a complete bore. Uh, it's not a TV event. Nobody tunes in. Their numbers are terrible. That's not. That's never been the case for the NHL. So right. disappointing that way, uh, especially when the criteria given was strictly about scheduling. The schedule is something that the NHL has virtually full control over. I know that there are certain times when they like to season, like to start the season and finish the season. But if it was a matter of creating two or three more days between the draft and between free agency, they could have made amendments to the CBA to move free agency from July 1st to July 3rd, for example, or to move the draft from June 29th to June 26th, for example, they could have made that happen. Uh, uh, they could have built that into the schedule and, and made an adjustment that way to give NHL teams the, the the opportunity to get home. I know there was a lot of frustration getting out of Nashville last year and flight issues and bad weather and all of that messed with uh, people's ability to plan uh, for free agency. And there was frustration from NHL clubs. I do think they may live to regret this, de- this decision, though. Uh, I also think they're going to see how it looks in the sphere in Vegas. And it's uh, going to be a huge success, a huge bang to go off on and might make them second guess their decision. So uh, we'll see uh, what the central decentralized draft looks like. But my guess is that it's going to be a much slower product on TV. Uh, we saw that during the pandemic draft when they hosted it out of their studios, the, the Secaucus studios uh, for any, for the NHL network, just how s- brutally slow yeah. it was waiting for people to phone in their picks moves very f- quickly on draft day. They had it down to a science on draft day. Uh, so all of those are wrinkles that they're going to have to figure out. I think it could be pretty ugly for the first couple of years as they figure out what works and what doesn't, uh, at least in terms of the TV product of it. Uh, but we'll see what it looks like. I'm, I'm very excited for Vegas. I think Vegas will be great. Uh, but after that, who knows? Yeah, well, I mean, leave it to Gary Bettman to keep making mistakes with the uh, with the league that he's trying to grow in the United States. But does that mean you're going to be in Vegas? I will be in Vegas. Yep, the hotel's booked, the flights are booked. I'm staying at the Paris Casino. Uh, first time nice. in Vegas. It's actually uh, one of, I think I've done 25 or 26 of the 32 NHL markets now, and it's one of the sort of six or seven that I haven't hit. So. Uh, looking forward to getting there, and uh, I know my colleagues will take care of me because there's a lot of people uh, in the last few years since uh, since expansion who've actually been a lot of journalists who've been yeah. there quite a lot. So I'm looking forward to the the Vegas experience. My only uh, uh, all I have to say is don't get sucked into the timeshare scam. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, and stay away from Circus Circus. But other than that, you'll be fine in Vegas. Um, Scott, we really appreciate you taking the uh, the time. It was a little longer than. Uh, than we had asked for, and we really, uh, we really appreciate you uh, graciously taking the time. Just for our listeners, where can they find uh, 
your articles uh, as we get closer to the NHL draft for their NHL teams that they focus on? Yeah, at Scott C. Wheeler on Twitter, or X as it's called now. And uh, there's another thing that Gary Bettman, uh, feels like Gary Bettman screwed that up, but it wasn't uh, wasn't Gary Bettman, but we won't That's get true. into that. Yeah, um, yeah t- at Scott C. Wheeler on, on Twitter, or X, and uh, just uh, at The Athletic, that's where that's where all the work is. And I'm sure you'll be uh, healing, hearing about a certain Caleb Desnoyer this time next year. All right, we got you penciled in for this time next year. Um, again, really appreciate you taking the time, Scott. Uh, have a good night. Cheers. That's uh, that's one of those interviews that just feels like we become more legitimate when we get someone from The Athletic. And, again, that's one of the opportunities we get from being at that prospect game. But a lot of good info. I think uh, mm-hmm. I'm kind of – the way he described the CHL NCAA thing, I, I kind of am excited for that two-game tournament or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, fingers crossed for Barry, uh, yeah. because uh, you know, free room and board uh, would be uh, the the one positive. We'll go if it's if you put it in Barry, uh, uh, we'll I'll go. Be, I'll be there. Yeah, we'll go. We'll, we'll go follow uh, and, Caleb. Yeah, and uh, Erie. Nope. Yeah, no, uh, not Erie. Second, uh, uh, we'll do Kingston. Nope, that's close to my family. Um, Guelph. We'll do Guelph. Probably I could, I could probably do Peterborough. Yeah, somewhere in Kitchener. That's close to Scott and. London doesn't need it. They they get enough as it is. Um, but yeah, no, it's I I didn't think it would be in the OHL. I didn't know if they rotated it like uh, oh, like the Memorial Cup is is rotated. So, uh, but yeah, that was a really good interview. Could have talked to that guy for another twenty minutes, another hour or so. So, um, are you ready for uh, everyone's favorite part of the show? show? Let's do it. Let's see if I can find the soundboard for it. Here we go. Eric Murray, realtor, buy a house from him. Stick tap of the week. Ah, yes. Uh, so as uh, Adam and I have mentioned uh, multiple times on this episode, we <laughs> were in attendance for the CHL, NHL, Kubota top prospects game as media. Uh, and uh, I thought I'd give this uh, little stick tap to Chris Seguin, right. who is the uh, media man, uh, individual, media person. Coordinator coordinator for the uh, Canadian Hockey League who graciously accepted our applications uh, which is weird because when we met him at the rink he found out that we were the clowns <laughs> so uh, thank you for still yeah. approving our applications despite knowing that we are clowns <laughs> this yeah. would also be a good time for me to play my circus music again <laughs> But I'll save that for <laughs> hopefully not next week. Hopefully next, yeah, exactly. I hope I don't want to be playing the uh, clown music after uh, three games against uh, games. You should win. Go Cats! Thank you, Chris. <laughs> the stick tap of the week, sponsored by Eric Murray Real Estate with the Remax Avante team. If you're looking to buy or sell a home in the Greater Moncton or surrounding area, Sorry. make sure to check him out on social media or give him a call at 506-863-8802. Guy pays to have his ad read, and you guys are talking over it. Uh, buy, buy a lot from him. Yeah, that's, well, you can. Which, speaking of, you should give him a call. You're in the house market. Oh, I am in the house market. Uh, if you want to see a nice picture of, of Eric, you got to go for a skate at the uh, Irishtown Community Center. Oh, yeah? He's got a nice big poster of his face. Oh, what a beauty. Um, that brings us to the Wildcast Wildcat of the Week, presented by Rosemary Lynn's Massage and Spa. Right now, until February 7th, they got a flash sale. 
Get a Shellac manicure for $35, a Shellac pedicure for $35, and a set of gel acrylic nails. Not here, but... Flash sale. <laughs> for, I was like, that's not what this place is. That's Ugh. not what this place is. Um, set of gel or acrylic nails for $45 while they get the loyalty card. When you book nine spa services, you get one free. Take advantage of it. Call to book 506-830-1224 or book with them in person at 1224 Mountain Road. The captain was doing his best to get us some wins, get us out of this uh, doldrum, if you will, um, with three goals in the past two games, which kept his streak... Uh, three games intact. He's now got six goals in the past four games. Um, he's doing his best carrying this this group. Um, lost a couple of his line mates for a few games, but um, he's doing his job. So the Wildcast Wildcat of the week is your captain, number 20, Yohan Loshing. That'll do it. That will do it. Uh, I know we talked about housing. Did that? Uh, how'd that go? The Your first venture into the nerves of <clears throat> house shopping. I uh, discovered that the market is still, it's very much, um, I'm going to say this. Let's just see. I, I, I placed a, an offer on a house yep. that uh, we really liked and yep. we saw the potential. Yep. Um, and with that potential, we decided to offer $5,000 over, ask, over asking. Wow. You know, let's go. Let's yeah. get it. Nope. Nope. <laughs> Uh, it sold for forty thousand dollars over asking. Yeah, that's. Um, so we are still in the hunt. In the hunt. So if you want a private sale, let's hit us up on the DMs. If you have a house you want to sell, um, let Jeremy know. Um, but you are still kind of looking. Are you taking a little yeah, bit of? Yeah. No, a, we're gonna. I mean, how many houses have you seen? Because I, I, honest to God, and you can probably ask Eric. I think Layla went. I think we went to about seventy houses. We went to th- in we've the been two to three years so that far. we did this. Yeah, we went to three so far. Yeah, a little bit left to go. Yeah. All right. Uh, once again, we want to thank Scott Wheeler of the Athletic for joining us on the show. Um, as well, the Wildcats are at home this weekend. Uh, Saturday versus Bathurst, Sunday versus St. John. Get your tickets now because they hit the road for four after that. Um, for Jeremy, I'm Adam. Depending how the week goes, we'll see you next week. If they get some W's. If they don't get some W's, podcast vacations. Absolutely. (laughs) Thanks for listening to another episode of the Wildcast Podcast. Follow us on social media at Moncton Wildcast.